Hi, I'm Gabriel Carrillo from the EdTech Bytes podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is partnering with the John Maxwell Company to bring interviews like Episode 402 with Jason Stoughton and Episode 403 with Jeff Henderson, and also to make you aware of the awesome leadership event called Live to Lead coming October 8th, 2021 to Atlanta, Georgia. Go to l2latl.com for more information, and when you go to check out, use the code K-12 to get a special discount. See you there. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Brooke Buffington. She's a writer, an encourager, and a yogi. She also owns her own business, is a mother and a wife, and she's the author of the book, Ridiculousness, a guide to everything from an expert on nothing. So much to learn today. Thanks for listening. And oh, by the way, it would be so cool if you go to my website, stephenmiletto.com slash reviews and rate and review the podcast. Could you do that for me? Thanks so much. Enjoy the show. Hey, Steve here. And my podcast, Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is hosted on Podbean. If you use my affiliate link when you sign up for podcast hosting, you will get one month free. I've been on Podbean for the whole existence of my podcast since November of 2013. In that time frame, I've had nonstop service. I've had easy access to assistance when I needed help. I've been able to upload unlimited pictures and podcast episodes. The dashboard is easy to use. My Podbean community has grown tremendously. Looking at starting a podcast? Well, use my affiliate link to get one month free of hosting. Go to my website at stephenmiletto.com slash sponsors and click on the Podbean hosting link to see what plans are offered and choose the one that you like the best. You'll be glad you did. Hey, have you been wanting to tell your story on podcasts? Well, have you? Podcasts are a great way to grow your personal and business brand. Kitcaster specializes in developing real human connections through podcast appearances. If you're an expert in your field, have a unique story to share, or an interesting point of view, it's time to explore the world of podcasting with Kitcaster. Go to kitcaster.com slash TLLK12 or go to my webpage at stephenmiletto.com slash sponsors. Click on the Kitcaster logo and apply for a special offer just for the friends of Teaching Learning Leading K-12. You are listening to Teaching Learning Leading K-12 podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. Brooke is a writer and an encourager and a bona fide yogi. She's a self-proclaimed coffee connoisseur, a baker of healthy-ish goods, and a creator of ridiculousness who's settled down with her family in the North Georgia mountains, where the fall air is crisp and the scarf wearing is, well, abundant and glorious. Over mountains and through valleys, trudging through the darkest of nights and dancing through the brightest of days, Brooke Buffington is an adventurer, a hope speaker, a light bringer, a peace seeker, a joy explorer, spreading a message of love and life and encouragement, challenging you to embrace your own story and live a radically intentional life. Brooke, thanks for joining me today and say hi to everyone. Hi, Steve. Thanks for for having me. Um, This is quite an honor. I don't know if you you realize that I actually work, well, you know my husband, and I work for Mark Wilson. Oh, cool. Um, with, I work with him at the leadership school. And so in that circle of, of people, it's a really big deal that I'm here with you today. They were all really, really excited to hear what, where I was spending my morning. So thank you. You're very welcome. That's very cool. The, uh, and uh, yes, we 
he and I, um, Mark and Brian, we've all known each other for a long time now, which is really cool. So a fun group. Very cool. So, uh, well, Brooke, before we do anything else, let's talk about something in your bio. She's a self-proclaimed coffee connoisseur and a baker of healthy-ish goods. And uh, I thought that was kind of cool, especially because I spent some time on your blog and I've seen some of the stuff that you kind of blog about that you've cooked. So, so what is, what is a, she's a self-proclaimed coffee connoisseur and a baker of healthy-ish goods? I mean, you say that as I'm taking a sip of coffee, but yeah. first of all, that bio is a mouthful. Yes, <laughs> I used is. to write, I, I write it and it's different when you say it all out loud. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but so, I mean, I do consider myself a coffee connoisseur. I've never, never been anywhere where anyone else has given me that title. So it is very, very much self-proclaimed. I, I'm very picky and I feel like I can carry that title because I do drink my coffee black. Um, so I actually taste it I like to do like one of my goals is to like you know if, if there were a um, I'm sure someone has this like instead you know when you go to a brewery or whatever you get like flights and you get all these little cute little glasses of beer but like I could probably it's like the Pepsi or Coke challenge like I could probably just like line up coffees by how expensive they are nice, nice. <laughs> by tasting them and I do like I, I do enjoy baking um and I try to make healthy-ish or healthy <laughs> versions of things as in like, and you know what, in, in, in sugar and like um, content ratio, it may not really make that much of a difference, but I try to do it without refined sugar. So sometimes I'll just like pour half a bottle of maple syrup and things, you know, and really get those elf vibes nice nice that's that's cool that you're trying to eliminate some of those other st stuff there and uh so i like that so that def definitely explains the healthy ish so because yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's some cool stuff that you got there that you sh showed off in the blog so uh, nice we're gonna talk about one of them in a second but the uh, i like that coffee connoisseur because like you know my dad used to drink uh coffee i don't know how i didn't start drinking coffee because i was in the army for a while and you know that's where between that and everybody was drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes, I didn't pick up either of them. But the, uh, um, but I, my dad liked it black because he'd say I like to taste it, <laughs> and I thought that was cool yeah. what you just said. He he said I'm not. I, he said I don't want um, a bunch of sugar with a little bit of coffee, and I don't want a bunch of milk or cream with a little bit of coffee flavor. So, <laughs> so I think that's cool that what you said there. Very nice. So, so one of your blog entries is about a recipe for chocolate chip banana bread. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> In the article, you talk about getting the recipe from Pinterest. Do you do you bake like this and get ideas from Pinterest often, or I mean, do you have a favorite that you like to cook the most? I mean, talk about that for just a second. Um, first of all, you d you did some digging there, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. So usually, I do like Pinterest. A large portion of my Pinterest is filled with things that I've never even attempted and may never attempt that I like to look at and pretend that I will make someday. <laughs> Um, over quarantine or during the beginning of COVID, we certainly branched out and I even tried like macarons and all sorts of really adventurous things. But my family's favorite is, um, a chocolate chip cookie recipe, but that's actually just almond flour and maple syrup and dark chocolate chips. And they're these really thin, like crisp, uh, cookies. And we even, we even go as as far as to put them in the fridge for a little while. And then they're just like this in the summertime, they're this like chilled crisp cookie. I don't, it's, it sounds really weird, but 
they're really, really good. Very good. It doesn't sound weird. It says yummy. It sounds yummy. Yes. <laughs> Matter of fact, I, I got a feeling after I get done with the podcast, I'm going to go find some chocolate chip cookie or something. <laughs> the, uh, but yes, I, I love uh, banana breads. And so when I found that one there, I was like, oh my gosh. And I, it's really good. It looked like it and sounded like it. It's like, and you know, cause add chocolate chips to anything and that's going to make it you, nice over the top. So good stuff. I, okay. So let's, let's shift gears and talk about your book. And, uh, and that's going to be a focus today. Uh, Brooke has a, a book out. It's called Ridiculousness, a guide to everything from an expert on nothing. Are you really an expert on nothing? I really am. <laughs> I, I, um, I joke about and it. It's funny because that title and the everything about it came from really a running joke. So I have a general studies degree from Valdosta State okay. in South Georgia, which really like means I there I'm I'm good at a lot of things, <laughs> but not necessarily an expert on any one thing. So like I I have like a little bit of art and um, psychology and religious studies and and even education for a little bit. And so there are all these different things that just make up my degree and um, don't can't really don't really use it for anything except for being an expert on nothing. But I do I I I think that I used to think that being a and I, I know it's called jack of all trades or whatever, but I'm I'm not of all trades. Like I can't like fix a car motor or anything. But <laughs> but I I used to think that I needed to change that about myself because I'm interested in so many different things and I've owned so many different types of businesses and I have so many different types of hobbies along the creative spectrum and uh for a long time I thought that I needed to change that and I needed to really focus on one thing so I could just be bomb at this one thing but I I slowly came to realize that that having all of the a knowledge about all of these different things and makes me a more dynamic person. It makes me maybe a more interesting person, maybe not, <laughs> but it makes me who I am. And I, I really just finally learned to embrace that. That's just how my life is going to be. And I'm not going to drop any of these things that I love about life and what makes it fun for me, just so that I can say like, I have this one thing that I'm super great at. No, that's cool. That's very cool. And I appreciate you explaining that. That's, that's awesome. The, uh, very nice. So, uh, you know, and so I'm going to use that to kind of lead into, cause you know, I got to ask you, I mean, what inspired you to write your book and not only write, but then also pursue publishing it because, you know, there's lots of people get ideas about books and they just kind of, you know, flounders around and never becomes anything. But, uh, I mean, you wrote, published, and it's called Ridiculousness, a guide to everything from an expert on nothing. And it's, it's coming out soon. So what, what inspired you to do this? Um, let me first admit that there has been a lot of floundering <laughs> <laughs> that this book has been ready for over a year. Um, and so it's, it's just taken a, it's taken quite a journey to get the courage to publish it. Um, but I mean, honestly, what, it, I mean, many things in, inspired, um, my writings that are in the book, um, as you know, like the, my book is really like these little vignettes. So like each story is individual and cause they were wrote, written on very different occasions and different parts of my life over the past, past few years. Um, and I, I, at first I just wrote as sort of a release, like I 
found that because I've written songs, so I've do, I've done that whole thing. I told you I do a lot of things. <laughs> so so it started with songwriting, and then slowly evolved into just sitting and writing um, for a little bit. And I slowly started to share some of these little pieces of my life and writing on social media because that's just how it naturally happened. And I would get like private messages from people I didn't know well, who just really identified with something. And it maybe they didn't, they felt like they weren't alone or they weren't crazy or they, it really resonated with them. And, and it, I kind of just started thinking about like my purpose in life and how I can change the world without being the one to change the world. You know, like what, like just making a difference one occasion at a time, one person at a time. And I know my book will not resonate with everyone, but I do know that it will resonate with someone. And if me being vulnerable and open and putting it out there may reach someone that I'm not going to interact with on, on a random occasion at the grocery store. Um, then I feel like as a human who cares about people the way I do in life, that it has to be done. So it has to be out there. So ultimately that's how, that's, that's how the writing happened. And then it being published was never like a, a dream of mine when I was a little girl. Like I didn't, I didn't grow up wanting to be an author, gotcha. you know, like it just, it came from the sense of purpose and intention of wanting to reach someone else. That's cool. Very cool. And, uh, and you do a good job cause it's, uh, it's easy to read and, uh, you, um, suck the reader into your, uh, in, in to your thoughts and ideas. I mean, you know, one of the things, uh, the audience, uh, listening, I mean, one of the things that, uh, um, happens here is you, you're going to talk about, uh, um, being a daughter. You're going to talk about being a friend. You're going to talk about uh, being a wife. You're going to talk about being a mother. You're going to talk about just kind of life in general over a certain period of time. And, uh, it all flows very nicely and it's, it's, it's really cool. So, and I got to tell you, the beginning of your book is a heartbreaker, um, bringer of tears. Anyone who would have walked by me when I was reading would have stopped and asked if I was okay. Cause I had tears streaming down my face. And, uh, I mean, they would have thought I was, uh, you know, what did you just read? <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, and, and it all has to do with, because I was um, very connected to my father who passed away a long time ago. And, uh, um, and the beginning of your book is about the grief that you, uh, you're you expressing about the loss of your father. Could you share about a little bit about you and your father? Oh man. Yeah. Um, yeah, that I, I actually hesitated on starting like multiple times. I tried to rearrange my book so many times to not start it that way. Um, but it just, it's how it needed to be. Um, my father was, he was awesome. Like, Oh, I'm going to try not to cry. Um, we didn't grow up with a lot. Um, but I always felt like so genuinely loved and encouraged. I never, I never really felt like I was missing out because we didn't have much fit like physically, tangibly. Um, I was, I was the oldest. Uh, so I was like the quote daddy's girl, um, who went everywhere and did all the things. And I don't know, maybe, maybe I drink coffee now. I like remember sitting on 
our front porch. He was very much a homebody, um, but we would just sit on our front porch and it was mostly milk, but a little <laughs> coffee, but we would just sit and sip coffee in the evenings. And um, I hope they gave me decaf, but now that, <laughs> <laughs> now <you're wondering. laughs> but now that I'm looking back, I'm wondering, um, my dad was, and so we had, we had like a really great relationship, but him as a person, like he certainly made mistakes and made them publicly and he wasn't perfect. And, um, he acknowledges that, um, but he loved people so well and so big. Um, he would give what he had. I remember, um, in his last days, and I mentioned this in the book, but people from the community just showing up on his porch where, where we sat most of his last days, just to thank him. Wow. Like stuff that I didn't know have one of my high school friends showed up to thank him for, for pulling him out of a ditch and never telling his parents <laughs> like little st- stuff that you don't think matters, but just like good stuff because he would just show up for anybody. Um, and one of the greatest joys of our relationship together was watching him with my children. Um, we, we ended up living about five or six hours away from him after my daughter was born. And once a month, every weekend, he would make the drive and he was here. And every time he came, they never knew when he was coming because he was, he was a quiet man and, but he was a funny, a very funny person. And he was a jokester and he liked to plan these elaborate surprises. So he would always surprise the kids when he came to visit, like, They never knew when he was coming. So one time he, um, I didn't know this turned into story hour. I'll finish up here. You're fine. Uh, One time he, we went to a restaurant and he wanted me to text him when we were on the way because he was driving in town and he needed to be there first. So he was sitting outside the restaurant with a newspaper open and he had two eye holes cut out (laughs) and he was just sitting there. And so with the kids like walk up and walk by, you know, like he slowly lowers the paper Cause he liked, like, he very much liked to have a reaction. So of course, when that happens, you know, little kids are like, Papa, <laughs> you funny. know, and there, there was always a, a show and a thing. Um, so, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, your, uh, your thoughts and your well wishes about your father are come through loud and clear in that chapter, as well as you dealing with the grief of losing him and, uh, the thoughts about, you know, just everything you know, you get into talking about missing, you know, the things he's missing out on and, or it might be, or might not be. And, and, uh, and it's just very powerful section. And as you, uh, you know, explore your feelings as well as, uh, let the reader move through them. And I got to tell you, it's, I got, I got to do is, you know, have some sort of feelings about someone that you lost and, uh, and, uh, it's going to come flowing through because that's what it did with me. Let me tell you. So, uh, um, and you have some interesting stories that continue throughout the book that uh, where your pa- father pops back up in a, and you know one of the chapters you say this we all, we all now know that tying a grocery bag containing a dead rodent is a special and difficult job that only specifically trained humans should ever attempt. What an awesome line! Uh, please share a little bit about this. 
Boone Titanium Rings, found on the web at boonrings.com, is an affiliate partner of Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12. And I'm also a customer. I have this really cool ring that's got these carved pistons and, and stars in it. I love it. They make rings of titanium that are carved, laser cut, and engraved, as well as they have inlays of many types of materials like meteorite, acrylic, wood, carbon fiber, and so many other types. They also have special collections that are incredible designs. One of the top sellers are the Gamer Rings, the Stealth Series, and the Black Zirconium. As a note, they also make make earrings, pendants, cufflinks, and for you musicians, they make cool trumpet mouthpieces. Love it. Go to boonrings.com and at checkout, use my code, capital T, capital L, capital L, capital K, number 12, and you'll get 10% off your purchase. So go check them out. I love my ring, and I know that you will love yours. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> Having done something so, like this, too, by the way, this is why this, this story. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, so you feel this on a different level, maybe. Yes, because I've, um, oh yeah, had three of them trapped in glue traps and all kinds of things. I have one stunned, threw them in the bag, you know. So, and now I got a new name for the, for the, the yellow bag that I've used, because you got to make sure you say that, because I got to hear how you pronounce that. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, so my, look, I mean, in, in, in that story, it's funny, because I do set the stage, like my dad lived in a mobile home in South Georgia, and so it's by a field. So this is just a common, like you have mouse traps, And um, in, the, in this situation, my dad was sick, and but he was also very, he was still all, all there mentally. And so he assumes that he's still all like completely capable physically, and he's a very independent human. And he also, because he's the dad of two girls and he's used to doing these things, as he does, he's very much like when I, when he saw me freak out about like walking. Because I mean, mind you, it's like three a.m. <laughs> right. Okay, and we're walking down the dark hallway, and I see this little tail, and it's still like it it jittered a little bit. It moved. <laughs> nice. There right. was some motion, and um, he sees me freak out, and he's like, "I'll get it." You know, like he's it's very much this. I got this, and I'm like, <laughs> he can't even squat down. Like, how's he going to pick this up? And at this, at this point in his life, also his mo movements are so much slower than normal and his strength is not there. So even tying a, um, a, a, a dollar gentral bag, because nice. South, <laughs> even tying that dollar gentral bag is, is a feat. It's a whole thing. So I honestly felt like I watched him because of course he wouldn't let me put the thing in the bag. He wouldn't let me tie the bag. And I'm sitting there trying to like coax him into letting me do it. And I genuinely felt like I sat there for about 13 and a half hours waiting for him to like, just do these very slow movements of tying this bag. <laughs> nice. I'm like, he, the, the mouse is going to jump out. Like, then I'm going to really like, what am I going to do? How am I going to handle that? Like, come on, tie the bag. Um, so yes. Uh, uh, and I, I also feel like I couldn't not share that story. It's another another example, and I, you might tell because you went through my book that there's a theme in throughout the book of having this that joy and pain can coexist. Right. And though that was a very insane moment in moments, what felt like hours, um, looking back and laughing about it the next morning with him and then with the rest of our family who we had to repeatedly tell the story to, it brought joy. And nice. so in the midst of this very painful time in our life, like it was a very joyous occasion to the point where I had family members ask me to make sure that I was putting that story in the book. 
That's excellent. That's excellent. <laughs> That's cool. I, having experienced something like that, it's just, you know, as soon as I saw that, I was like, okay, I got to make sure I talk about this because this is like, this, until you've experienced the idea of, uh, you know, okay, they got it stunned and you sweep them into the bag and then you, and then because you're going to deal with it the next day, so you just kind of throw it outside so it's not in the, in the house. Yeah. And, and, uh, um, and, you know, in, in my case, uh, the property where I was living on had a, there's a dog who, uh, oh. Okay. He decides to get curious about what's in the bag, and it's like, no, leave the bag alone. You know, oh, so, no. so you know, it ends up yeah. <laughs> dealing with the. Uh, took a lot longer than what it should have because then you get it back from the dog, going, "No, give me that." <laughs> and so, you know, fun. Just sorry, you just brought, brought back a lot of no, memories no. there. I'm, you know, what I'm glad I can, I'm glad you can relate. Like I'm, you know, one wonders when I share stuff like that. I'm like, well, I know a few people who will get it, but who really knows? Well, I got to tell you, I do because it not not long after I dealt with because I I would de- after being gone for weekends I'd come back and I'd have dead field mice <laughs> and uh, and then have to get rid of them. That's an interesting smell, as a matter of fact. Um, never forget that Ooh, smell. Yes. And uh, there's, no, there's no smell that can compare. <laughs> you got that right. And then one of the other things that happens is that you also then that seems to attract another little critter called a snake. You know that <laughs> they decide. You know, and, and so when you get up one morning after you've dealt with mice the night before and you find you've got a nice snake in your ba- bathroom that's checking out the, <laughs> the air, it's like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. What the, <laughs> so where, where is this at? What, this is in, is this in Georgia. Yeah, this is in Georgia, south of uh, south of Eastman, in a little town called Chauncey. And uh, okay. and uh, was living for several years, uh, rented from a gentleman on his property. And, uh, you know, just <laughs> several things. And, you know, um, and his dog came to my rescue. And then I was going to let the dog in there to, to get the snake. And then I was like, wait a second, what if that, that snake hurts the dog? And I said, I can't, I, I want him to be my friend. Not to, not, so many things happening. Yes, it's like, what the heck? You know, and, it, you know, that's, that's so, yeah. So I, I identified with the the. <laughs> the mouse in the bag, I got to tell you. And, and dealing with that at such an early morning hour, too, that's, you know, that just makes it. That's <laughs> so, yes. it's good stuff. And it's neat that you shared that story because uh, after the grief of him passing, it did show, you know, share some joy, like you're saying there. Yeah. Very nice. Um, the So for those of you who are like, I wonder if, they're gonna, if he's ever going to move on from the rodent. <laughs> so, so I... <laughs> It's just I, I love that part. <laughs> um, so let's let's talk about uh, um, something you, you get into. You you talk about creating one-on-one time with your kids. I love this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, and and we had done this before, but I think, and you may you may feel this as well, but losing someone you love causes a sort of reevaluation of time and priorities and what you're doing with the time you have. And I feel like that really spurred on even further from what we were doing, just a really charge to be intentional. And so we were, we'll do, sometimes we'll do very purposeful like date nights. So we'll go out to a restaurant or do things with our kids one-on-one. Cause we have two children. So and our oldest is a boy, our, our youngest is a girl and, and they're about three and a half years apart. So they're different dynamics in place when we're all together like there may be certain things that the one's not going to say with the other around because you know you know how you know how it goes like one uh, like my daughter might start picking on my son if she hears who he likes or whatever you know right, there's so right. many so many things so many pieces <laughs> of the conversation that we find that we may be able to connect differently when we have them one-on-one and 
Um, so sometimes that looks like being very intentional and like me taking my son out to a restaurant and or t- teaching him how to order a meal and pay for a meal or doing these things. But sometimes it looks like um, just really doing what we have, doing what we can with what we have in a busy season of life. Um, and that might mean when my daughter has soccer, um, Brian and I maybe alternate who does what practices each week. So one of us can have like just a time at home watching the office with our son, um, just to see what conversations, you know, come up from there. And I think that just being purposeful in that, no matter how elaborate or adventurous that one-on-one time is like just making room and making space for, um, conversations and memories to occur is what it's important. It's very cool. Very much so. And I agree with you. I mean, it's, uh, I have two sons are in their twenties now and, uh, miss those days because now they're you know they're these ages where they got their own thing going on and mm-hmm. you know and i miss game night and i miss uh once in a while they'll you know last year at father's day they uh, i said all i want to do is i want to play a bunch of board games that i get to choose because <laughs> i choose nice. dumb ones that are luck games like sorry and stuff like that that it, i have a <laughs> chance to win if there's strategy i'm gonna lose you know so it's <laughs> but uh you know, and it made me think about stuff like that and spending time with the sports, you know, them doing their sports or them doing band or them doing, you know, whatever it was that, uh, you know, you just spend the time and you're with them. And I thought that was very cool that you schedule these, uh, these time frames because that's, I think it's so important. Yeah. Very nice. The, uh, you know, throughout the book, you have these little stories called ridiculous tidbits, talking about your kids, by the way. Um, what inspired you to include these funny little stories? Because I think it's cool. Um, Honestly, well, my kids gave me permission to use them, but just let that be known. But um, I don't know. Like, I have I think that children are hilarious. Like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, not so much to the point where I want to be a teacher and hear it all the time. So, like, I just want to give a quick shout out to all the beautiful teachers <laughs> doing the hard things every single day. My heroes, angels from heaven. Um, but I think my own children are really hilarious and I do know that there is, um, some heavy content, um, in my book, just as in life, there's heavy content and you can't really control when that comes all the time, but you can, you can control like how you perceive, um, many things and how I perceive the things that come out of my children's mouths. (laughs) You know, can't control what comes out of their mouth, but I can control how I perceive it. And um, so I really, just to drive, driving again, I know I've already said at the point home that joy and pain can coexist in the same space uh, really is what inspired me and spurred me to include these um, just little pieces randomly. And there really is no rhyme or reason to when they show up. It's just like, as I'm reading, I felt like, oh, we need something here. Like somebody needs to take a breath. Like if if someone happens to be reading it straight through, they are at the points where you might need to take a breath and laugh or or feel some sense of 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 joy, get a little chuckle. Well, they they, they serve the job well because you're right. Kids can be so funny, and you have some funny little tidbits that you shared that uh, you know, just from things that are thought by the child and then said. You know, it's like, yes. and it's. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that down the road, uh, when they get a little older, see when they start dating, you have to bring that stuff up and say, do you remember when you, oh, certainly. 
<laughs> I like that. <laughs> Very nice. But I, I thought that was cool. So, uh, you know, could you share your thoughts about being self-aware? You get into a little bit about this as well. Um, I was wondering if you could talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I really see self-awareness as like the self-acknowledgement, maybe like in like an owning of self and owning of your own truth, not as like a, a selfishness or a self-absorption, um, but owning your truth in that seeing and acknowledging the good and the bad about you. Like I personally, it's, it has, it has. And still is like difficult to like acknowledge the things that maybe are not so great about me or things that I'm not so great at. Um, if that makes sense, I'll maybe use a personal example to drive at home. So like I, okay. I very much like to be liked. I feel like I need, it's almost a need. And I've really spent in, before, before I lost my dad, which interestingly enough is what created this big shift in seeing things about myself. But before that I was making like entire life decisions based on the need to be liked. Like, will they still like me if I do this? Will they still like me if I open this business? Will they still like me if I say this or if I produce this art or, or this thing? And I think that if we can be self-aware and self-acknowledging enough to own it. So now I, it's still a struggle. So I'm not saying this as a now as like, and I have this all figured out. I'm saying now as in like, this is where I'm in my journey of now that I can see that now that I know that about myself and I'm willing to admit that, and I'm not denying that I can then move through situations and scenarios in my life with that knowledge of myself and stop and ask myself, okay, is, is this decision based on what you need, what you know to be true, or is it based on what you like, what you think that they think, or what you're worried about them thinking? Um, and so I think that if we can be self-aware enough and be honest with our own selves about our strengths and our shortcomings, then we can ultimately be the ver- best versions of ourselves because we're asking ourselves the hard questions. That's I know very, that was just a lot. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's, it's very powerful. I mean, the, the, the part of the book where you start talking about that, I mean, we, you know, most people have those self-doubts and those thoughts about, you know, what they're, if they're good at anything or if they're good at, you know, this, that, or the other, that, you know, and maybe they're, they, they've been praised by others, but themselves don't see it and had to give the negative self-talk and stuff like this. I just, I just thought it was a very, it was an excellent, uh, part of, uh, you know, just an excellent talk you had in there. So uh, it's good. I mean, it's very good stuff. We all have, we go through those moments or long <laughs> thoughts about it. And it's, uh, uh, and I think yeah. it's who you are. And I, I think it's, it was um, a good, you know, very much, you know, suck me into what you're talking about and all that sort of stuff. I guess that's where I'm going with that. And I think it's awesome. The, you know, another one of these sections, just like that, I mean, on page 102, you have a short piece titled, remind yourself that you are freaking fun. Love this. <laughs> I mean, I, I love it. What, what, what are you talking about here? Tell the, tell the readers, uh, the, list, the I mean, readers, the listeners. <laughs> hey, do you need help in becoming more effective at teaching virtual classes? Well, NVTA, the National Virtual Teaching Association, has a semester program that is college accredited and designed to help you become more successful as a virtual teacher. A few of the topics that will be focused on are establishing relationships in the virtual environment, 
virtual instruction best practices, differentiation in the virtual classroom, and managing virtual resources, among others. NVTA is an affiliate partner with Teaching Learning Leading K-12, and there's so much there to help you be successful in the virtual classroom. Uh, so take a look. Go to my website, stephenmaletto.com slash sponsors, find the NVTA logo, and click on it to take you to their website. Happy learning. I mean, and, and I say in the introduction to my book that this is a, very much a selfish work. Like I wrote this, <laughs> a lot of these are reminders to my own self. Um, and so I admit, I admit that. And so this is one of those selfish when i say remind yourself i really mean remind myself gotcha <laughs> um that like that little piece is just very much a nod to like we we never know what life is going to throw at us like we never know what's going to happen in the midst of all the the chaos and just a reminder to myself that i can consciously make a decision to um bring fun to a situation or, and not, and not in a sense that I'm, um, not acknowledging or honoring the pain or the grief in what comes, but that in the midst of that, that I can still choose to make my own fun, to make my own adventure. And I'm not talking about like jumping out of an airplane. I'm not that kind of adventurer. Or fun, like that is one place you will never find me. But just in a very real, realistic sense of like, you know, letting my like maybe choosing to do a cannonball at the swimming pool, like just to like make my kids laugh, or letting them letting them play in the rain, you know, on a random Tuesday. Nice. Um, just just making the making the fun with what you have, even if it's not. Um, even if the timeline doesn't seem appropriate or it doesn't seem convenient. That's awesome. That's it. And it's, I mean, I mean, what you're getting into is just living life and you know, it's, and I, I think it's cool and you get into that and it's kind of a nice reminder. That's why I really identify with that little part that, uh, um, that you're freaking fun. I mean, and you know, it's, uh, it's so cool. Um, and I think it's neat that you're trying to live that way. So good stuff. The, uh, you know, later in your book have a very powerful section uh, where this sentence appears. I honestly just don't think a lot of people know how to deal with a joyful person struggling. Could you talk a little about this statement? And the section that it's in is called Consider Grace. Oh, so. Started heavy on William Davy. This section out of all sections in my book, like what there's a, there's a little, a few pieces surrounding this as well were um, actually the pieces that I tried to take away multiple times. <laughs> like, working with editors and um, my, even my friend who wrote the forward for the book, like these, this was the piece that I questioned leaving in because this was hard. Like there are a lot, a lot of pieces of this book are vulnerable, but this one is very vulnerable, even though it's not very specific. Um, it was just a very hard, hard realization of maybe like some things that I'd done and just of admittance of like where my life is now um, so I mean, I toxic positivity, maybe I had been that person in my life before. Um, I was, I've been very much a, I'm a good listener as a friend. Like I'm, I won't really talk a lot about my issues. I mean, and this is past, past Brooke. I like to, I not like to, cause I don't like this part about grief or losing someone, but I really like, there is a, there is a huge shift in my life. I 
after after loss, after dealing with the loss of someone so close. And um, so parts of my life I referenced like before that, because I feel like I'm very much a different person after that. And so before that was very, I, you know, very much like a positive, I still am, but a carefree, happy, good vibes only, you know, like we'll see, I would say things like, it's all gonna work out, you know? It's fine, just look on the bright side. Um, so I know I was that person, um, but being the person who then overnight made this huge shift of trying to learn how to walk through grief and also trying to learn about being self-aware and learn how to not be okay created a different person in a sense with like, um, I know I'm stumbling through this, but I, I felt a shift in friendships and many times, and I will say that like in that quote, I did, I say that um, a lot of people don't know how to deal or however I said it. And I think that a lot of times it's not always, or many times maybe it's not necessarily that they don't want to deal with their friend who may be struggling and maybe not so positive all the time is that they don't know how. And I think that I personally didn't know how until I was there. I understand. I mean, I, I interviewed a, a gentleman who uh, he's written multiple books on um, caregivers because he's been one for his wife for over 30 years. And uh, he, uh, he talked, his most recent book at that time was uh, about how caregivers need help and need people to understand how to talk with them because a lot of times um, their whole focus has been on you know taking care of whoever they're taking care of and no one ever stops to see if they're okay and and nor to because and partly because of some of the stuff that you got into which is i thought this was very interesting is the idea they don't know what to say they you know because you've always been there for them or whatever and then and then suddenly you know you might need something uh, and which is just a pat on the back and saying hey how are you doing today you know you, you've listened to me can you listen do you need me to listen to you and i just there's very strong messages sent there thank you it's Again, like it's a very much a debated, a debated part, but I, I do think it's helpful for people who are in a relationship with, of any sort with someone who is hurting or who is grieving any, anything in life to be very purposeful um, in just a moment of sitting and listening or just a reaching out, um, even like, even when you don't know what to say. And also I titled that section consider grace because also reaching out and reaching down and up all around to find grace for maybe the hurting person who is just trying to figure out how to function and they might not call or reach out like they normally would. Like they might, they might need need that reaching out to come 
from outside. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it, it's helpful to, to really just kind of see yourself in someone else's shoes. Well, I know that, uh... Um, I don't know how they, who, who you had to fight that battle with about you wanting to remove it and someone else saying, no, you shouldn't remove it. Well, uh, this is a note. I'm, I'm on the side of uh, glad you didn't remove it because it balances the book in the beginning and, and at the end. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it is a message that I think people need to hear that a lot of times the same person who's been there for you, have you found out whether they might need somebody to be there for them? And uh, I thought that was uh, very strong message you sent there. Um, Brooke, we're getting close to closing. I love your book. I mean, it's just, uh, it's really got all kinds of neat little vignettes and just you you feel your, your, your thoughts and emotions about all the different aspects of your life from being a daughter to a, to a mother, to a wife and, uh, and, a, and a friend. And I think it's, uh, it's a cool book. I mean, if someone wanted to connect with you or learn more, where would you send them? Um, I'm really active on Instagram. So I'm on Instagram as Brooke Buffington. Um, I also have a website, brookebuffington.com. But yeah, that's where you can find me. Very cool. And I'll have that in my show notes. And I got two questions that I'd like to ask you that, uh, um, just questions I like to ask my guests. And the first one goes like this. How do you keep going when so much is going on that you may want to quit? Therapy. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, I, I'm a firm believer that... Um, that just one tiny step is forward motion and that to keep going doesn't always look like a, a, a sprint. And that if I can just remind myself of that every single day, that if I can just take like one step, one little shuffle, one little trudge, then that's forward motion and that's all I need. Very nice. Thank you for sharing. Very cool. Uh, last question. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? Um, so mine, oddly enough, is actually a guidance counselor. Um, at his, his name is Ray Fussell. And I, I mean, it's, I guess it's very interesting the way that he um, affected my life. It wasn't like I went and chilled in his office like ever. Um, didn't really know much of him or about him outside of uh, the this one particular situation in my senior year. Um, I did not do well on my first round of taking the SATs. Um, my family also did not have a lot of money. Um, we did not have a lot of that op sort of opportunity available to us, but... Um, he called me into his office after he saw my scores and he was like, you're taking this again and it's covered. Um, he also ensured that I applied for a scholarship that required me to write something, which he was very, very confident I would get. And I did. And just those few small things that, that he was very intentional about going out of his way to do, change the trajectory of my life. Um, and so I, like, I would tell him thank you, and I would tell him I don't know if he did it, like, super intentionally, if he knew. I feel like he, many parts he knew. He knew that 
I, who I was as a creative person, um, needed, needed to get out of town. And, um, there was only one, like really one or two ways that that was going to happen. And, um, he made sure that that happened. Very, very cool. Thank you for sharing this story. And, and Brooke, thanks so much for talking with me today. Your book is powerful. It will bring tears, memories, smiles, and laughs. Thank you so much for sharing Ridiculousness, a guide to everything from expert on nothing. Wishing the very best in all that you do. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.